So this morning, I want to look in the first eight verses of Hebrews chapter 13. I believe almost a verse by verse, God wants to speak some things here. And specifically when I think of the word fulfillment, and if you're a dad, you're a man in the room, that you are called to live a fulfilled life. But how do we do this? How do we do this in a world where sometimes it may or may not be popular to be a man and to walk in a biblical uh, way as, as a man should walk? And you know what? Sometimes men, women in the room, we can do things for a period of time, but life is long. Anybody else? Life just keeps going. And there's really easy seasons, but then there's seasons where it's like, what in the world? Last year, so easy. This year, so difficult. Or vice versa, where we have to know who we are. We have to know what fulfills us, what, what drives us, what pushes us on, or else we will find ourselves in places where we're just kind of swayed by whatever is going on around us. I believe Hebrews chapter 13 does a great job of showing us what we need to do to walk in fulfillment in our lives. As we jump into verse 1, four words I think really wrap up where we're going today. Let bro brotherly love continue. We could really stop, we could do the whole thing based on those four words. Let brotherly love continue. Let it happen. Let it be poured forth through his church. When I begin to look at this and think of this word love here, this is Philadelphia love. The ancient Greek word spoke of brotherly friendship and affection. It is the love of a deep friendship and partnership. We as the church, and you specifically as men on a Father's Day weekend, you need men in your life who are pushing you forward. You need relationships with godly men that you can go to, to breakfast with or to lunch with. You can go and when you're struggling or when you don't know what to do or you're not sure which path to take or maybe you just lost a job or maybe there was just a sickness in the family or something, you need a man or two or three in your life that can push you forward. We need each other. Once again, I'm going to focus on men today, but these are universal. Women, anybody that can hear me speak, it's for you. We need one another to push each other on in the things of God. He is so good. God is so much good for us, but it's so easy to get lost and to miss out on what God has. It's so easy to miss out on where God is taking us. Now, mentioned my dad, and a few years ago, uh, about almost three years ago, actually, we transitioned, and I became the lead pastor here. But maybe two or three years before that, so five or six years ago, I remember being right outside, right out back of this building. I'm going to be honest, I was in a moment where I was probably frustrated. I think that would be a good word. A moment when I needed some brotherly love. I need someone to kind of uh, as I would say, hit me with a two by four. Sometimes you just need someone to whack you. And, uh, you know, that was one of those moments. And I will never forget my dad coming up. And we were working towards transition in a couple years. We, we kind of knew where we were headed. And basically, he said, you need to pull yourself together. You need to stop acting like, I don't know, a child probably. It would probably be the word. He didn't use that word. But, and I'm like, what? I was super mad. Have you ever been in that moment, someone corrected you, and you're like, I am super mad. Like, you don't even know what you're talking about. You're my dad. You're an idiot, right? Anybody else? I probably know how to say that word from the, the poem. But right, just in real life, 
You're like, what are you talking about? And then you know what God does? God says, what is wrong with you? What in the world is wrong with you? That when I had someone that was willing to say, you need to pull yourself together, just really in life in general, and all of a sudden God spoke, in this case, through my dad, through a brother, through someone that would speak truth. And it was a big moment of turn and of change in even my own mind of, God, you've got something big, and I better stop focusing on little things that do not matter and start focusing on the big things that do. The little things do not matter. I can say it over and over, but I have to let it become a part of my life. And we need brothers in our life who will be true and honest and real with us to say, hey, you're just a little bit off track. You're a little bit away from where you should be, and it is time to go back. It is time to get back where God has for you to be. We need each other. Brothers, help when it's not convenient. Give when it hurts, and absorb hurts for others without fighting back. And guys, we need one another. When I think of brotherly affection and love for one another and pouring into one another, you know how you find someone or a few people that can do that in your life? You invite some people to coffee. It's really not that difficult, but for many of us men, it's very difficult, like inside. You take the initiative. It's not, Lord, let somebody come to me, which could happen, but it's, Lord, give me the boldness and the strength to identify some people that I see them pray, I see them lead, I see them serve, and I'm going to go to them and say, would you sit down with coffee and me and see what God would do? God will use you, but we must reach out so that he can move in our lives. We need brothers in our lives. The next couple of verses go on and talk about a hospitable man. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. We need brothers and we need to show hospitality. Now, some of us, obviously every family is not the same, but a lot of homes... If you're a man in the room, your spouse may, it's possible, be more hospitable or more, uh, let's get people in our lives. Now, I'm not going to make anybody raise their hands, but a lot of homes, that would be probably where it is. You are called as men to be hospitable. You are called to go out and to care for people who we don't even know, to befriend strangers, to get people into our lives. You as the leader of your home are called to do and to to be all that God has called you to be. And when we step out, we may even, like Abraham, like Lot, all of a sudden find out that we have entertained angels, that we have served, the word would say that we have served Jesus by serving others, that we have made a difference, that when we go and we help those that are in prison or we go and help those that are in need, and you know what, you can look around the room And there's people in this room that they're in need that they don't show it, they don't say it, but they need you. They need your care. They need that brotherly uh, love and and push from only what another man in the room can give. It's time to offer hospitality. Share a meal. Invite someone over for a conversation and make people feel comfortable. When I think of my family growing up, I think it's where my wife and I get it from, but uh, Rachel's parents always had people in their home, always. 
In my house, when we were growing up, we had a freezer in the garage that I think all it had was frozen pizzas. The whole freezer full, it would just be stacks of them, 10 or 15, however many you could smash in there. And we would always be able to have people over and always be able to serve pizza because it was ready to go. We were prepared to be hospitable to whoever would come. In that case, mostly kids, friends. But my family always had people in their house. I remember group and times that we would have hundreds of people in our home. In fact, this is way too much information, but if you have a bunch of people come to our home, our, let's say our leech field couldn't keep up with what would be, and all of a sudden, too much information, right? But it would literally overflow because of people that are in our house. And I'll tell you what, I want to be someone that I don't care what the the circumstance is. I don't care what happens. I'm going to go all in, that we're going to see God move. We're going to see through hospitality, even if my septic system overflows because there's too many people in my house, then that means what? It means it's time to buy a bigger septic system. It's time to figure out how you make it so that more people can come. How can we be hospitable? It starts once again with the simple ask. Hey, you guys want to come over for dinner? You want to come over for lunch? Let's go get coffee, whatever it might be. And something a few weeks ago we were talking about in our Calibrate Friday Night Leadership Life Groups that we had in the spring are if there's something in your home, and this might, I don't want to step on toes, but I don't care if it's animals or dogs or whatever it is, if that keeps us from getting people in our house, It's time to get the the dog somehow fixed up so that it can happen. Or it's time to lock them in a back room. I don't care. It's time to do whatever you have to do. We cannot let things stop us from letting people be in our lives. And not letting, but making it happen. Which once again is not waiting for someone else to be hospitable. But it's you, it's me, going out of our way to say who needs some hospitality in their life? Who could be encouraged? And men, you get to be a part. Lead. Lead by example. Be hospitable. Bring people into your life. Jamie mentioned leading by reading the word, showing your kids, letting them see you be in prayer, letting them see you and how you act and how you behave. Lead by having people in your life, sometimes that are super fun, super easy, that it's like, yes, I love having them over. And you know what? Sometimes you're hospitable. You don't know. And it's a little bit more work but it's worth it to see God move in someone else's life. It's worth it that everything is not about you and everything is not about me. It's about how can we love and pour out a blessing on those that are around us. Brothers, hospitable and fulfilled man is committed. Verse four goes on and says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. It's like, whoo, this turned, this turned serious really, really fast. And I just want to point out right there, let marriage be held in honor among all. And in a time, in a, a society where marriage is the exact opposite, where you listen to sports radio and there's more commercials about uh, lawyers that, to get a divorce than almost any other commercial on sports radio. That is a problem in our society. And it is a big deal. Marriage is a big deal and it should be honored and held in high esteem. It's not something that we do and it just is what it is, but it is a calling of our life to be married, if that's what God calls us to, and then to commit to them, to commit our lives in everything we are, to hold it with honor. We act different when we honor something. 
We act different when we honor someone. And if you are looking to someday, you pray that you are married, or maybe you've been married for 30 or 40 or 50 years. It is time to be sure that I honor that person. If it's in my home, if you're a father and you have a wife, today honor that person, honor your spouse. They're not just a person in your home. They are someone to be cherished, to be loved, to be honored. And this verse gets a a little bit specific. Let the marriage bed be undefiled. If you're young in the room and you're not to a marriage age, what you do right now is preparation for what God has called you to. Living in a, a pure way before the Lord is so huge that someday... Someday your relationship, your marriage will be stronger because you said, I'm going to stand on the word of God and I'm not going to watch TV or social media and let that be the guide for how I live or how I do things, but I'm going to stand on the word. I'm going to remain pure to my wife, even though I do not know who she is yet. I will be pure before God and someday be able to share that with her. And in the room for those that are married, honor, uphold, that we keep our minds pure, our hearts pure, every part of who we are pure so that we can honor and be in relationship with our spouse. Don't let it be defiled because it says God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Sometimes I think we want the word to be only the fun light stuff. If you ever are in a moment where you're like, well, I would like to look at this or I would like to act on this or I have some butterfly feeling when a a person of the opposite sex comes around, think of the word of God. I do not want judgment in my life and I don't want it in yours as well. If you want to walk in blessing and you want to walk in what God has done for you, then whenever there's a temptation in your life, you say no, you cut it off. You might get with those guys that are in the brother side and you say, I need, I need encouragement. I need help because there's, there's something. And let God work in you and bring wholeness to you that I will not live a defiled life in my marriage or in any way, but I will be committed to my wife. I will be committed to her, love her, and honor her. When I think of my parents, I think of people that were very, very careful in how they lived their life, that are very careful with how they lived their life. There was never a moment when I questioned whether my dad and mom cared for one another, loved each other, because they took precautions in anything. There was nothing that was going to get in between them and God. There was nothing that was going to ruin our home. When no matter what else could happen around us or what other family saw or whatever was happening in the church, we had confidence that our parents loved each other. They cared for one another. And they would put down their own desires, their own need, their own whatever for the care of the other one. Is there commitment in your life? Church, God calls us to commitment and he calls us to something that if we begin to see that all of a sudden we've got brothers in our life, we're hospitable, we have people in our home, we're committed to our spouse, to our family. This is not like, oh man, I have to do all these things, but this is joy and peace and love being poured out in your home that you get to have a happy, joyful home because the word of God brings truth and hope and life to us. It is not a a punishment, but it's like, come on, Lord, help me to walk in a committed manner. Help me to be and have friends in my home and even those that they need the love of God. They need someone in a moment of difficulty. Help me to have brothers. Brothers that make a difference in my life. 
commitment to your spouse, family, church, and God are from where the blessing of your life will flow. That's where it comes from. Be committed to what God has called you to. As it continues, the next is content. Be content. Verse 5 and 6 say, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Church, in a world where contentment is not, it is not what is preached on anything that you see. Right? Any social media, any, it is not. It's more about what new thing can you get? What new thing can you have that brings happiness and joy to your life? Church, we must be a people that walk in contentment. That walk content with what God has. As I have looked and walked through my life, I've seen and heard so many people. I just want to have a item. I like, I'm going to use a boat today because this seems like a perfect day. If you have a boat, you should be going on the lake today, right? I mean, this is a great one. I love boating. People get cool ob- objects, cool things. And my question is always, am I then like, whoa, now I have to protect my object, Maybe I'll go more personal. I won't pick on anybody else. My wife and I, we just added onto our house. We made it so it's great for people. In fact, last week I said, if you, uh, you know, if you want to come to our house, invite yourself over. We would love to have you over to our house. I only had one person, only one person last week that invited themselves over. And uh, so we're working on that. They're going to come over soon. So for real, invite yourself over. My question is, when God blesses you, then what do you do? There's a choice. And when I think of being content in God, then if I'm content, then when we are given new things, I'm not worried that someone's going to ruin it or that there's going to be a new scratch on my floor. My dogs take care of that. So I've got that under control. I'm not worried about the carpet. I am like, come on, how do I use what God has given to bless other people? Because that's why he gives you stuff. You didn't know to be a blessing to you and to bless other people, which means, Lord, I'm going to use it. And if I just got white carpet, That was a mistake, number one. That's a mistake. Number two, then it's going to be a little less white next week and the next week and the next week. And I'm going to do it with people around me. And I'm going to be perfectly content saying, you know what? That was my neighbor family right there. That spot, God bless it. This one over here. You might even have like a running tab in your mind. And you say, I'm content to have a spot on my carpet because I made a a difference in their life. They have a spot on their life because they've been with me. They know the word. They know my heart for them. They're encouraged. Where I say, I am content. Not that God's not going to bless me. Let's, come on. I, I love when God blesses. But how do we use what God has given us? And I've seen people so often get the cool thing that they want, that they talk about sharing with the world, and then they get it, and then they're like, I don't want anybody to dent it or to, to mess it up. Or if I do, it might get messed up. And I'm telling you, church, let's be content that when God blesses, that we're going to share it with the world. We're going to share it with people because it's not about me and my fun and what I want. But it's about how do I use what God has blessed me with to see someone else push forward, to see them encouraged, to see their life change. Paul in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, I think he, he nailed it. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When it's easy and I've got abundance, come on. 
I can be happy and content. When it's difficult and I'm not sure I'm going to pay the bills, Lord, I'm going to be content in this moment walking with you. Whatever it looks like, men in the house, it's not about next year or next month or even tomorrow. It's right in this moment. I'm content to love and to be committed to my family. I'm committed to my, my church family, to be hospitable. I'm committed to have brothers in my life. I'm going to be content right where I am. Contentment is all about what you are, who you are on the inside, not so much the outside. Church, let's be all God has called us to be and win. So once again, joy and peace and life begins to just spring up from who we are. Two more this morning. Verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. There's something important to realize that men, we oftentimes, we don't like leading. Or we like to lead. We don't like to follow, excuse me. We like to be the one that makes the rules. We like to be the one that, that says what's going to happen. We so often like to be that person. And I want you to know that all through the word of God, you are called to find someone that you can emulate, to find someone you can imitate, to find someone that's before you, that's ahead of you, that you can say, I don't know how to be a good dad, but this guy has really great kids. So I want to imitate that person. This person has, has a great job and they, they do really well. I want to imitate that person, but they have a family life and they, they care. I want to imitate people that are in the word of God, that are Bible study, that they get in the word, that they understand the word, that they understand and like even maybe to get a little deep into the word. Let theology become something that they begin to learn and grow. Throughout the word of God, we see examples and the emphasis placed on imitating leaders. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus told his followers to learn from his example of gentleness and humility. Philippians 3, 17 says, join with others in following my example. Paul urged the believers to follow him and to have his enthusiasm, perseverance, and maturity. In 1 Thessalonians 6, 7, it says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. And so you became a model to all the believers. And this is important. You imitated, and now you are a model. Church, from the youngest man to the oldest man in the room, we are called to follow a leader, and we're called to lead those behind us, to grow in who God has called us to be, so we can be in a place of pouring out and letting others follow us. 1 Timothy 1.16, in me, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him. Paul used his own unworthiness to, to push people to Christ, his own unworthiness to, to receive Christ as an example of grace. Church, we get to be those who follow and then those who lead. But so often we want to lead and we don't really want to have someone that is leading us. We want to we blaze our own trail, but when we do, sometimes it doesn't work out. This weekend, we had for some of our smaller boys a father-son camp out. Uh, it was a little bit rainy and, and icky outside, so we made it a father-son lock-in, and we were in the gym the other night, but it brought back memories. I have no clue what state park it was, but we were at a state park, father-son camp out. We played some serious games of kickball, I feel like there was sometimes the ball would be like as tall as a person you're trying to kick around. I mean, it was awesome. 
But I remember one day, me and this other boy, we're like, we want to go on a hike. And we were young, like young, probably seven, six, eight, you know, right in that range. And so we started hiking out in the woods. And we all of a sudden realized we had absolutely no clue where we were. And as a, you know, six, seven, eight-year-old, um, that is terrifying. It might be terrifying as an adult, but it's really terrifying when you all of a sudden realize that you want your daddy and you are out in the middle of nowhere and you're not real sure how to get home. And guys, sometimes we can lead and we just want to blaze the trail, but then we get where we realize, I have no clue where I am. What happened? Where's my life? Where's my spiritual walk? What's it look like? And church, it's time to say, I want to follow a leader. I'm willing to commit myself to not be the leader, but to follow. And as I follow, then I'm going to be able to lead and do it in a healthy way. But not because I'm just going to go, but because I'm going to follow people so that then they can follow me. No matter how much of a leader you are, you need someone to follow, look up to, and imitate. You need someone in your life today who you can look up to, who you can follow. The last verse we're going to look at, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And we begin to just wrap it all up. A fulfilled man knows Jesus. All the other stuff doesn't make a difference if we're not looking to the one that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we're not giving our life to the one that he has not changed, the one that has been and will be and will be forever. He is our God. He is our King. Your unchanging Savior will bring you fulfillment, purpose, and joy. And when we can understand that, men, women, children in the room, when we can offer him everything, then all of a sudden I can say my life is more than going to work and coming home and paying bills. That is not what your life is about if you're a follower of Jesus. He's called you to so much more. He's called you to love your world, to proclaim his goodness, to bring those that were in the darkness to the light. He's called you to walk in the light as he's in the light, to let him move through you. He's called you to greater things. And church, I ask you, men, I ask you, would you live a fulfilled life that's found in brotherhood, that's found in being together, that's found in saying, you know what, I'm going to leave this room. And if you personally do not have friendship in the room with other men, I'm going to ask you, would you look for some men? Would you be bold? Maybe you're newer to the church and you need to ask a Pastor Joe or myself, we would love to find a person that you can uh, join in with, that you can hang out with, that you can find a group to be a because it is life-changing when we understand I'm not on my own. But I'm going to live a fulfilled life because I get to make a difference in my world. I am going to be a brother. I'm going to be hospitable. I'm going to be committed to my family, to my wife, to my church. I'm going to be committed and then content. I'm going to have a leader. And above all, I'm going to go after Jesus who has not and will not change. So if you would, all over this room, would you just stand to your feet as we close? And maybe one of those areas it just jumped out to you. Like I said, maybe you need to find some brothers. Would you commit this morning to doing that? If you maybe haven't had anybody at your house or that you haven't gone out with, would you commit this week, this week, maybe even today, to invite somebody to go to lunch with you? To, to invite somebody, hey, can we set this up? Can we put it together? Maybe you're struggling and your commitment to God, to your spouse, to your family is waning. 
Today is the day. Let God recommit you. Let him focus you on what he has for you. Maybe you're struggling with contentment. Nothing is good enough. I pray that today God will let you be content walking where he has you right now. Be a leader, but follow a leader and follow Christ. So if those, any of those are you, even just in your own spirit, in your own mind, would you begin to ask the Lord, Lord, help me. Help me be a brother. Help me have brothers. Help me be hospital. Help me be committed. Help me be content. Help me find a leader and help me know you, Jesus. So Lord, this morning we thank you. I thank you for a church that leads by example. A church, Lord, that these aren't new concepts or, or new things. But Lord, I pray that in each one of us, maybe one of these areas, God, you would help focus us. Lord, that we would be a, a church of groups, that we would be a church, Lord Jesus, that's made up of groups. Not just that we have them, but that's who we are. Lord, that men would find men to, to pour into them. That women would find women to pour into them. Lord, that they could make a difference in one another's lives. Lord, that we would be hospitable, welcoming the stranger, welcoming those who are imprisoned into our lives and into our homes. Lord, that we would be committed. In fact, this morning, Lord, for someone that's struggling with their marriage, they're struggling with their, their mind or, or maybe with pornography or what they're looking at, or Lord, that it's not lining up with your word. Lord, I pray this morning that you would forgive as they ask, that you would bring forgiveness, but then, Lord, that you would bring wholeness and they would commit once again to what you have called them to and who you have called them to. Lord, let us be content. Lord, not about the next thing, the next step, the next, but Lord, let us this morning be able to leave right where you've called us to be, doing the things and with the things that you have for us so we can make a difference walking in a content way before you. Lord, let us find a leader. Let us be leaders, but Lord, let us imitate those that have gone before us. And Lord Jesus, let us never forget you're the same yesterday. You're the same today. You're the same forever. And God, we're going to keep moving, following you, our creator, following the Savior who gave your life for us, who came and died for us. Lord, we love you. Bless this church. Bless these fathers on Father's Day, these mothers, these women, these men, these children. Lord, will you let your goodness rest upon them. And Lord, let us line up with your word. Let us be encouraged in you this morning to experience you and all we do, God, we thank you, we praise you, and we worship you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. And amen. Come on, church. Let's live for Jesus. Let's be all he's called us to be. Thank you so much for being here today. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. Have a good one.